What up, everybody? What an absolute pleasure it is to have you here again on the Nesson After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. All football, all the time. The NFL is back. I'm Emerson Lazia. Sealy Godwin is here as well. And let's do it inside your ear hole for the next 30 minutes. What do you think, Seals? I still cannot believe that football is officially back. It kind of like snuck up on us. All of a sudden, it was like, Chiefs, Texans, we're doing the damn thing. Sneaky, sir. Uh, Yeah, so uh, obviously today, we're going to talk a whole lot of football. We got Zach Cox here. He's going to discuss last night's season opener uh, with us, as well as all the things you need to know for the Patriots-Dolphins game this Sunday. And without further ado, Zach Cox, Patriots beat writer and co-host of the Patriots podcast. Zach, how are we feeling now that football is finally here? I am feeling phenomenal now that football is finally here. I'm honored to be on the After Hours podcast. Uh, I'm excited to talk some football with you guys. It's Good. it's weird. My, my whole be. brain hasn't really hasn't really calibrated yet. It still feels like it's like mid-August, maybe. Right. Uh, so that definitely kind of snuck up on me a little bit, but I'm uh, very excited that it is finally here. And I you've been covering of- it for the last, like, you know, since they've been back since training camps. So if it snuck up on you, like everybody else is, is definitely under a rock. So I, I, yeah. it's just wild. Seriously, like the fact that we have this going on in the middle of a pandemic, we were able to pull it off. I'm just hoping that now that we're crossing across state lines, things stay, stay good. Well, we got the NHL and NBA going on right now, too, which is something like we're, we've never been used to. And like with no preseason as well, I kind of get why last night would have snuck up on, on no, I mean, yeah, We had six pro sports leagues going on last night in uh, September. <laughs> Zach, it's like the Chiefs are going to repeat again. Like, I don't think there's any way to, to work around it, right? Go ahead and agree with me. I mean, that offense looks extremely good. Um, I've got to say, I, I'm pretty excited. I drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair in yes. my draft the other night. He looks phenomenal so far. Damn it. Travis Kelsey looked <laughs> great. Tyreek Hill didn't even really do much in, until late in the game. They just have so many weapons on offense. And I, I know defense is always a little bit of a concern for Kansas City, but that that was a thoroughly dominant performance last night. And yeah, that's they looked like the Super Bowl champs last night for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the um, Texans just suck, so that that helps because Bill O'Brien, the head coach, and Bill O'Brien, the GM, I, it's, they can't get on the same page. They looked good there for about <laughs> I don't know, maybe seven minutes, like the first half of that first <laughs> yeah, quarter. Yeah, the first half was. Uh, David was okay. Johnson actually looks pretty good, but yeah, o- overall that's a that's a bit of a mess down there in Houston. Yeah, he's gonna ruin Deshaun Watson. That's what's frustrating about it, especially if you have him on your fantasy team. Uh, a couple other storylines from, from that game, Patrick Mahomes, it's his world. We're just living in it. Um, but, uh, what, what did you guys think about just the COVID-19 protocols? We saw almost 17, 16,000 fans in the stands. And that was a weird thing. How do you think all of that was, was shook out last night and will continue to do so over, you know, the next 16 so weeks? Yeah, it was bizarre just seeing fans in the stands there. I know that it's, it's been announced for a while that, that Kansas city was, was going that route. Uh, and a couple other teams are as well. The dolphins uh, are going to have, I don't know, 13, 14,000 fans. Yeah. I think the Cowboys might have some fans, but. And the yeah, Jaguars, yeah. the Jaguars, buddy, don't sleep on them. Jaguars. I mean, <laughs> if they can get 15,000 fans there. Yeah. They might have Damn them. you. <laughs> I was about to say, do they have that many fans? Yeah, but, we'll find them. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, this whole thing just kind of feels like 
like you're holding on and hoping for nothing to go wrong at this point. Um, I mean, the NFL overall has been fantastic with, with handling COVID so far uh, with the number of positive tests that they have, uh, have had compared to the number of tests that they've done. But this really is the real test now that teams are traveling and, and fans are going to be in the stands and, and all this is going on. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it was a little jarring to, to look in there and, and actually see that many fans there. And, and they're loud in Kansas City, too. So it sounded like yes. it sounded like a full stadium when, when you weren't yeah. seeing fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a team that already has like this ginormous home field advantage. And now that they're one of four teams that will allow fans early on. I mean, for me, it kind of helped it like feel a little bit more normal seeing some cutaways of fans there. I think like this weekend when we're going to see some of these empty stadiums when it's like, damn, this is really, really bizarre. Yeah, Gillette's going to be very strange on yeah. Sunday. Uh, I'll, I'll be in the building. Me, me and Doug Kide will, will both be there. And it's going to be really, really weird to – I, I, I really don't actually know what to expect, what kind of vibe and ambiance or, or whatever to expect there. We, we were actually in the building um, for this sort of pseudo scrimmage that they had a couple of weeks ago when they were playing the, the piped in crowd noise. And it sounds, it's really unsettling, honestly, because you can hear, we were sitting <laughs> okay. in the stands for it and it, you can hear just kind of people chattering around you and, and some chants and, and some cheers and, and clapping. But then you look around and, and you don't see anybody there. I don't, it's hard to explain, but it's, I don't know. I think it's going to be going to take some getting used to both for viewers and, and for players. This is a situation that none of them have ever experienced before. Yeah. You're getting to experience one of the weirdest football seasons probably we'll ever see. Um, and you guys are doing a great job with it, by the way, uh, all the training camp that. and practice stuff, all the information you guys have been getting out there because I know that the availability is just so limited for you guys, but let's talk about what we can expect from this Patriots Dolphins game. Um, a lot of things to keep your eye on, but let's start with the most obvious Cam Newton. What are you expecting to see out of him as he begins his new chapter of his career? Yeah, I mean, that is the, the number one storyline going into to this week and really one of the top storylines in all of the NFL. Just what is Cam Newton going to look like in New England and what are the Patriots going to look like with Cam Newton as their quarterback? Uh, we, it's kind of tough to tell so far because obviously there were no preseason games. Uh, we, we basically only got a couple of, of practices uh, to watch him in that system. I, I definitely think it's going to be a different offense with Cam Newton in there, as you would expect. I mean, considering that his skill set and, and Tom Brady's skill set are extremely different. Uh, I'm interested to see how much of that kind of running and mobility they utilize now. One, because he's 31 years old now. He's coming off back-to-back season-ending injuries, uh, and he's just kind of in a new system with, with new players around him and, and a new coaching staff and whatnot. I do expect you'll see some, some read option type stuff, some, uh, some design quarterback runs, uh, the, the kind of stuff that Cam Newton has, has used throughout, throughout his career. But the big question is, can he stay healthy? Because he's looked healthy so far. He's not in the injury report. Uh, he's been full go all training camp. Um, but he also hasn't been hit since last September. It's basically been a yeah. full calendar year since he's faced live tackling. And there's really no simulation for that in practice with quarterbacks. So that's going to be the biggest question going into this game for the Patriots. Does the element of surprise give them any kind of advantage, though, right now? I think not, know, not knowing what it, what this is going to look like. Oh, I'm sure. I, I I'm sure Josh McDaniels and, and the rest of that coaching staff are, are kind of chomping at the bit to, yeah. to unveil what they're going to, to use or what their offense is going to look like 
with Cam in there because it, there's got to be a lot of element of surprise around the entire NFL and especially in this game too because the Patriots are a very different team from where, from they, what they were last year, both with Cam Newton and with basically half of their new defensive starters. They've got some some new pieces on offense as well. And then the Dolphins basically overhauled their entire roster as well. So I think you're yeah, they're the Patriots them. of the South now. That's who, that's yeah, who they are. It, essentially it is. I mean, they, they brought in Kyle Van Noor. They brought in Ted Karras. They brought in Landon Roberts. Obviously, they have, they have Brian Flores and a couple of other uh, Patriots alums on that coaching staff. So they're, it, it's kind of a, a different situation because they're, they're teams that know each other very well. I mean, there are a lot of players and coaches in Miami that the Patriots know well, and obviously they know the Patriots well, but these teams are also so different from the last time they played each other just a couple months ago that I think you're going to see some sort of feeling out process early in this game uh, where maybe it doesn't totally hit its stride until kind of the second half after, after teams get a little bit of a look at what the other guys are doing. Uh, what do you think that the Patriots are going to struggle with the most when it comes to this Dolphins team? It's, it's hard to say just because we don't know exactly what this Dolphins team is going to look like. I'm, the, the things that I'm going to be looking for, obviously there's the cam factor. There's the kind of integrating into a new system factor. Just how is he going to sort of, how is he going to handle that? And how are his teammates going to kind of work with him in there? All of that. And then on defense, there are, I've seen a lot of people kind of predicting that the Patriots defense is going to be one of the best in the NFL again. And there's a good chance that they will be. I mean, they're, all of their cornerbacks are back. Their secondary should be very good, but they basically have all new linebackers. Uh, they're going to have a new strong safety, a new third safety. Uh, their defensive line didn't really make any additions, even though that was probably the weak link of their defense last year. So I'm going to be really interested to just, just see how this entire defense comes together yeah. Because there's, there, I could see a scenario where it takes a couple of weeks for them to sort of gel and you see a lot mm. of miscommunications or just kind of guys not knowing exactly where they're supposed to be in relation to other players. So that's going to be a, it's a big question mark for the Patriots yeah. this season. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any means that they're going to be an elite defense again. Also, yeah. they have one of the toughest schedules that they've had in, in a minute here. So this defense is really going to be tested this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a difficult schedule. I mean, they they play the Chiefs, they play the Niners, they play the the Ravens. Um, they got to play a bunch of games yeah. out west. Uh, I know the <laughs> crowd noise is going to be a little. I mean, they, <laughs> they they have to play in Kansas City in a couple of weeks, and as we saw last night, even with a, a diminished crowd, that's yeah. still going to be a, a, a decently hostile environment. Uh, they will get Seattle with no crowd out there, so we'll see how that looks. Oh, but, well, there goes the twelfth man. That you eliminate the twelfth man out there. Yeah, there's no 12th. It's going to be a, uh, a simulated 12th man. So we'll see how much they, they crank up that crowd noise out there in Seattle. Dude, Bill Belichick over the past three years and, and the Patriots, just three and three against the Dolphins. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think any other player in the NFL has uh, played more games against Patriots than this guy right now. I know he's only three and 15, but that familiarity has got to make him dangerous. I know Bill Belichick said that his unpredictability is one of his strengths, Zach. Yeah, the unpredictability is a good word for it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out in this game and throws close to 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I also wouldn't be surprised if he throws 115 yards and four <laughs> it's interceptions. one or the other. <laughs> yeah, there is no middle ground with him. <laughs> both ends of the Ryan Fitzpatrick spectrum, 
uh, in games he's played against the Patriots. As you mentioned, he's played them a ton. Uh, he spent a lot. He's of time like with eighty years old back in the day. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. <laughs> Why is weird seeing him with the beard in the in the Dolphins colors? It doesn't really go together <laughs> in my mind. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy who engineered a a terrible, terrible, terrible Dolphins roster to a win at Gillette Stadium just last year. So. I don't think anybody on the Patriots team can can be underestimating him no. uh, coming into this game. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, man. Producer Fred just dropped in a uh, fun fact that Fitz was at Harvard when Zuckerberg and Natalie Portman were there. So, basically, Fitz helped invent Facebook. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not. I did, did not get know acting that. acting uh, kind of shows that what you're how, saying? how long ago him being at Harvard was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a smart man. We'll, we'll give him that. Like that's, if anything, he's been able to stay in this league for so damn long. Cause he's so damn smart. He's smart. And he's just, people like him and he's a guy that you can throw in there and expect that he's 60% of the time. He's going to be okay. <laughs> there, there's going to be a couple stinkers in there, but he's, he can hold down the fort until, uh, until Tua is ready. That's what they're hoping mm-hmm. at least. Zach, who has a better season, Cam Newton or Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? I think Tom Brady, uh, I think he's going to be kind of rejuvenated. He already does seem to be rejuvenated both by the the kind of new surroundings and just the sheer amount of talent that he has on that team. Uh, I, I mean, if, if you look top to bottom at that, that kind of skill position group that Tampa Bay has, it's better than anyone that he had had with New England in a very long time. It's uh, and I know that there's Leonard Fournette – his, his kind of name recognition is a little bit higher than his, his production and, and Gronk is old. I'm not expecting him to be the, the Gronk of, of 2010 or anything like that, or even 2018, but there's just a lot of talent on that team. I think it might take them a little while to sort of gel just because they didn't have preseason games. They didn't yeah. have off season workouts. I know Tom Brady was doing the, the workouts at the elementary school or whatever. Um, but <laughs> Getting busted think, for those things and I sneaking over to get his coordinator's bit. book. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, he was really doing uh, anything he could to try to uh, try to catch up to speed real quickly. But yeah, I think it could be a little bit of a slow start down there just while they all try to get on the same yeah. page. Uh, but I, I do see that being, I do see them being a very good team uh, by the end of the season, maybe not a division winner because they do have, um, New Orleans in that same division and, and Drew Brees. Uh, but I, yeah, I think they're going to be a very good offense and a, a NFC championship contender this season. Obviously everyone here in New England is going to be watching the Patriots game, but how many of people here in New England are also going to be watching the Bucks game? Oh, those, rating, those ratings are going to be through the roof every week if they're here. Yeah. The, um, the, who have the schedule makers or the, the yeah. whoever is in charge of that. They definitely knew that. I think there's only like two games all season that the Patriots and the uh, Bucks play at the same time. Uh, so they definitely set that up for people to be uh, to be able to watch both. And you got to watch both. I mean, even if you're mad at Tom Brady for leaving, even if you, you hate him now, it's fascinating. That is the, the number one storyline in the NFL this season, non-COVID related and, and all that stuff. How is Tom Brady going to fare in kind of this new – this new environment and this new endeavor. It's fascinating. Even if you hate the guy now, I, I think you have to watch. Julian Edelman seems like really pissed that, that Tom Brady is like no longer here. Like even this morning on the Greg Hill, on the Greg Hill show, he, he like refuses to say Tom Brady's name. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously they were very close for a long time. Um, it, is it that does an act like, maybe? 
No way. This no, I think the guy's just so. like miserable. And then there was the whole like unfollowing him at first when Tom left like on Instagram and then You think it's follow, that bad. Follow back. Absolutely, dude. They had this bromance going on and it's like Tom Brady was the nut and Julian Edelman is obviously the squirrel and the squirrel has lost his nut and it is now becoming a tree but down in Florida with other trees that that the, the new tree loves more. I also think it's probably <laughs> a bummer for him that Gronk's there so he's kind of like the odd man out. Yes. Yeah, I kind of see, I can kind of see him being like that that SpongeBob meme where it was it <laughs> Brady and Gronk nice. playing, uh, playing down outside. Yeah, I mean, I I think he if he had the choice, he definitely would have been continuing to to play with Brady. I, I, it does seem like he and Cam are are getting along well and developing a uh, a pretty good connection as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how how they sort of gel because obviously they don't have the 10 year sort of mind meld that, that he and, and Brady had. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm sure if he had the choice, he would have been continuing to play with Brady this season. That's for sure. I, I hope he continued. I, what's his contract situation? Like, it's not like he's up next year, right? I think he's actually entering. I think this actually is the last year of his contract. Yeah. I Uh-oh. think so too. Could he be I, I mean, there was some speculation already. that the Patriots could trade him before, um, once, once Brady left and, and try to recoup some draft picks from that. But obviously that didn't end up happening. Yeah, and they would have screwed up those draft picks anyway. So not a, not a huge deal. Uh, Zach, who the hell is going to be kicking, speaking of draft picks? Yeah, that's, oh. that's a, a strange situation. The fact that the Patriots are playing in two days and they don't currently have a, a kicker on their roster. It'll probably be Nick Folk. Um, Justin Rohrwasser just looked really bad, honestly, in the, um, in the practices that we were able to watch during training camp. Uh, and Nick Folk was pretty good last year for the Patriots, looked pretty good in training camp. Uh, he's not going to be a, a Justin Tucker or anything like that, but I think he can be reliable enough. So the Patriots, as we're speaking right now, they do have an open spot on their 53-man roster because they moved uh, Yadnik Kajust to injury reserve yesterday. So, But the expectation is they'll either promote Folk or Roarwaster from the practice squad because both of them are on the practice squad right now, promote one of them to the 53 or just keep them on the practice squad and use that new rule the NFL has this year where you can elevate a player from the practice squad Mm -hmm. without putting them on the 53 and then put them back down after the game. Uh, That would be a a temporary solution because you can only do that twice with a certain, uh, with, with any given player over the course of the season, but that might be where they go in week one if they want to use that other roster spot elsewhere. These are some funky, funky rules. What do you think about the protected guys what is it four that they can protect it's four four that they can protect it's kind of a a raw deal for the practice squad players honestly this year um because if so so a team can protect four players on their practice squad each week which means i I think it kicks in tuesday and lasts through through the game on sunday which means no other team can claim them and and add them to their 53-man roster that week um but it's a little bit of a the the players, when they're protected, they don't get paid like they're on the 53. They still get paid like they're on the practice squad, which mm. is about a quarter of the pay that they would get. Uh, That's on not good. And in recent I'd years, take too, it. teams have been, I mean, it's good for, it's good <laughs> yeah. for, for most people. but Com- Comparative to what we're making now, NFL, yes, but in that NFL situation, salary. we wouldn't. And in previous years, too, teams have been able to, <laughs> the Patriots have done it in the past, where if they really like a practice squad player and really want to keep him, they can pay him like he's on the, the active roster and just keep him on the practice squad. They can't do that this year. There are kind of set set 
payment salary amounts. So yeah, it ends up being kind of a, a tough situation for, for some practice squad players. Interesting. Yeah. Interestingly, the Patriots did not protect any players this week. They have not protected any players yet. Uh, we asked Bill Belichick <laughs> why this morning. I saw uh, this tweet of yours. said because we didn't want to. <laughs> uh, so who knows their reasoning behind that but yeah there are a lot of a lot of new wrinkles and and kind of roster management things that are going to come into play this year uh which I think benefits a team like the Patriots that have a smart coach and a smart infrastructure and and know how to kind of play these games I can't wait to see a drop kicking Doug Flutie run out of that tunnel on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on they, people they need to figure they need to figure that out um but you remember, like, it was on uh, this day 19 years ago, too, running out of that tunnel. It was Joe Andrusi yep. with the two American flags, 9-11, 19 years ago. What do you remember from that day and the Patriots? Yeah, I, I remember that, that Joe Andrusi moment perfectly in my mind. I mean, I can still see it on the, the, like the Super Bowl DVD or whatever that they, they put out after, after that season of Andrusi, who obviously has three brothers who are, are FDNY um, running out with those, those American flags. The game was against the Jets too. Um, I mean, I, I have two uncles who are FDNY, so it was a big kind of moment for me. Uh, I was pretty young back then. I, I think I was in sixth yeah. grade. Um, but yeah, that was a really sort of a seminal moment in that season. Um, I mean, people, obviously that game is best remembered for being the, the, the game where Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady came in, but those, those pregame ceremonies and, and that whole um, that whole moment was, yeah, definitely something that was an important moment in, in Patriots history and really in NFL history. Yeah, not, not on, just to clarify, not on this day, 19 years ago, just the first game back after, after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we've been seeing all these posts today as, as we remember all the lives that were lost, uh, the businessmen and women, the firefighters, uh, paramedics, police officers, all those that were on the flights um uh, what what other things have jumped out to you today uh, as we're reflecting on this day 19 years ago well i mean all the being in boston here and in the story of, of wells crowther um the the former boston college lacrosse player uh who who, who died in, in one of the towers trying to save other people successfully saving other people i mean tom rinaldi's uh espn feature on that that oh. came out yeah, I don't remember when it was out four or five years ago, but it's phenomenal and it's so kind of moving and emotional. It's something I watch rewatch every year, every uh, single year, yeah. On this day, yeah, and it's just there. There are so many stories like that of of people who 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 sacrificed and and did all these things to to help others um, get out of there on such a terrible day. So yeah, that was it, it's it's still it's crazy that it's almost twenty years. Next year's yeah. gonna be the twenty year anniversary, um, but. Yeah, it's it, it's still on. It's obviously still still resonates. I, I never yeah. can look at a red bandana the same. I always think of Wells now. Every I have a red bandana on my dog right now that I that I put on for today, and that's all I'm thinking about. Um, but uh, the, the power of sports—that's another thing. I, I, we saw so many great moments uh, after 9/11, all, when all the teams started playing again, and just all the really impactful moments. Uh, the president throwing out the first pitch. Um, Sammy Sosa running the bases with an American flag. Uh, sports is so powerful in uniting people. And that's one of the reasons why I got into this business is because there can be so much bad crap going on, but sports can bring us back and, and make us feel unified again. And, and I think we need that even more so 
in this year. And so to today, that's kind of what I'm just thinking about is just, is just unifying all of us together um, to, to reflect and remember. So that, that's what I'm thinking about today. Yeah, Zach, I mean, what, what role do you think sports like played, especially uh, around 9-11 in helping communities come together and, and heal? It, it played a massive role. I mean, just having that, that sense of community, uh, especially in, in New York, after all these things happened, I mean, the, the Mets and the Yankees were, were really kind of two of the biggest drivers of that sort of a sense of community, um, w- whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I mean, some people who aren't sports fans kind of poo-poo the idea that sports are healing or anything like that. I mean, I don't know how you could see how the, the aftermath of that and, and how people came together around sports and not sort of recognize the, the impact that they have on people. Yeah. yeah. Very powerful stuff. Um, and like I said, it's a, this year, I, I think that we can, we can be united for a day just to, to reflect and remember um, on everything this country has been through. Um, yeah. I agree with you there, Seals, because I do believe, like, right, especially with this, like, pandemic, like, when it hit and then sports went away, I think people realized it, like, once again, just, like, the role that it it does play and how much we rely on it to kind of, a lot of times, like, distract us, you know, maybe from just a a long-ass day at work or or something like that. So when we didn't have sports to lean on, I think it did actually challenge a lot of people, like, mentally in this pandemic because you had, like, nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, and mentally speaking, we heard what Dak Prescott opened up about the loss of his brother um, to suicide and how it really impacted him as well. Um, I, I mean, that was powerful stuff that we heard from, from Dak this week, uh, just opening up about that and sharing that he needed to ask for help and that, you know, a true leader asks for help when they need it. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you guys think about his comments before we wrap this up real quick? Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody who doesn't kind of totally respect what Dak Prescott was saying. I mean, I don't skip Bayless and some other people have come out and criticized him saying he's a bad leader for that. He's a great leader for that. I mean, anybody that can, can open up and, and share these kind of vulnerabilities and, and share what kind of things that I'm sure he, it's, it's not something that he's sort of, I don't know. I want to say he's not proud of it, but it's not something that he would, it's a very, very difficult thing for him to be going through and for him to be willing to kind of open up about it and, and share those feelings and, and allow people who are also feeling those kind of feelings. And there are a lot of them out there. A lot of people go through this, this kind of anxiety and and depression and, and all sorts of kind of mental stress and struggle seeing the Dallas Cowboys quarterback admit that he goes through this kind of stuff and, and that he struggles with it makes a lot of people say, Oh, so this is, this is okay. This is okay yeah. that I feel this way. It's not a problem sure. about me. This is, this is something that, that everybody goes through. I, I, I thought it was, it was really powerful and, and I thought it was a, a great thing for, for Dak to do. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought Skip's comments were just, it was a bunch of crap, bunch of BS. It's clear that it's clear that the, he needs to educate himself a little more. And I, I think his comments like that can actually do more harm, but a lot of folks and especially males out there, they refuse to seek help because of the fear of being labeled like soft by others. So Weak, I think, I think yeah. it's, I think everyone just needs to understand it's okay to not be okay. And it takes a lot of courage to seek help and you can do 100%. it. Yeah. That's one of the, the things that I, I constantly tell people it's okay to not be okay. 
um, you're better off when you, when you own that. Um, and, and support is there. Uh, it is National Suicide Prevention Week, everyone. Yesterday was uh, national or worldwide, national, worldwide Suicide Prevention Day. So um, all important stuff that we're thinking about this week and today on the 19th anniversary of 9-11, uh, but football is back. That's uh, another thing that we can unite ourselves around. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins, one o'clock kickoff from Gillette, and then obviously everybody's going to tune in and watch the Bucks and the Saints after that. <laughs> but uh, Zach Cox, we really appreciate the time today, my friend. Uh, looking forward to all your coverage on the Patriots in this really, really weird 2020 season. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Emerson, you want to send this one home? I would love to. I'm going to send this one home right now. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Nest and After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. Next time you hear from me, we will have a new dog, and I will introduce you to her. Woo! Love you guys. See you later. Bye.